Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we'll be reading verses 1 through to 7. Now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So we see there from the Old Testament way back whenever that was, many, probably a couple of thousand years ago or more, the importance of remembering God and what he has done in the family. I, I've, I've given my message a, a title this morning, Live Out Your Faith in Your Home. In Acts 10 and 11, there was a major dilemma. Uh, a man, uh, a centurion, Roman centurion from Caesarea uh, was visited by an angel and was told to send servants to go and get a man named Peter. Uh, I think he was in Joppa. And at the same time, Peter was relaxing up on the top of the house where he was staying and he had a vision where three times uh, God in the vision lowered down a sheet with all manner of food uh, that were clean and unclean. You may be aware that the Jews have unclean and clean foods. And, he's, and three times Peter said, I'm, I'm not going to eat any of that. I'm, you know, I'm a good Jew. I'm not eating that. And uh, God said, what I have made clean, you may eat. And so these um, servants of the Roman centurion turn up. Peter goes with them with a couple of guys. I guess that was smart because he had witnesses. They get there and he begins to preach and lo and behold, uh, they get saved, they become Christians and they are baptised in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm sure Peter and the other members that were with him would have been uh, kind of really amazed and surprised because up until this point, the church was Jews. There was no Gentiles in the church prior to this happening. So, uh, what a dilemma. Jews and Gentiles are going to mix. How are they going to do this? In Acts 10.28, Peter says, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with you or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So we have a major dilemma. The Talmud is a book 
a large collection of writings containing a full account of the civil and religious laws of the Jews. Part of that book is a section called the Mishnah. This is from, from the Mishnah. If a Jew was eating with a Gentile at the table and left jugs of wine on the table and a jug of wine on the side table and he left it and went out, what is on the table is forbidden as it is likely the Gentile handled it. But if the Jew said to the Gentile, mix water with the wine and drink, even the jug that is on the side table is forbidden. That's slightly specific. But then there's a dilemma here. Also in the Mishnah it says, the dwelling places of the non-Jews are unclean. So why is the Jew sitting at a table with a Gentile anyway? Who knows? But I think they just covered all bases in these writings. So how are they going to do this? We have a strict Jewish um, traditions that have been around for hundreds, thousands of years. You can't just change that overnight. And then you've got these Gentiles, dirty, stinking things. They're pagans. They do all sorts of horrible things. What do they do? Imagine the Jew. So how much of my Jewishness do I keep? You know, what, what do I throw away? What do I keep? What do I hold on to? What do I give away? Can I eat a pork chop? Now that's funny to us. But to a Jew, that is very serious. What about the Gentiles coming into the, you know, a Jewish setting one word circumcision ladies may chuckle but what about a 30 year old being converted in AD 38 Jews are circumcised it's a dilemma Jews with all their rules and regulations and the Gentiles with their many gods and filthy habits how was it going to happen? Anyway, the Jews are God's people, not Gentiles. Peter had to go and explain himself to the head of the church in Jerusalem, which he did. And if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? That's a very good point. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Well, praise God and hallelujah. I hope he's going to tell us how to do it because at the moment I can't even share a drink with a Gentile, let alone do anything serious. Well, it's simple follow scripture. we have another slight problem they only had the Jewish the scripture what we call the Old Testament the New Testament all the wonderful passages about how to get along with each other hadn't been written yet what about the apostles and others that have been witnesses of Christ well they were few and far between and scattered all over the place 
we have an enormous coming together of two completely different groups of people, major cultural problems creating all sorts of issues. Somehow they sorted it out because here we are today, 2,000 odd years later. So what does Gentiles being accepted into the early church have to do with families today, our families? I'm sure most of us, if haven't been to a wedding, know what a wedding is. Two people joining their lives together in marriage. I've had the pleasure of conducting two of them over the last two Saturdays. But a wedding is not just two people coming together. Two families, two cultures. Last Saturday, a young lady became an instant mother of a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. Yesterday, the couple that got married are grandparents. So they've already set up their family. Two families, different cultures. Some families are similar, others are miles apart. Some come from fine upstanding stock like myself. Excuse me. I had a lady do my, what do you call it, genealogy and she went back to something like 1670 before she found my name in a, uh, in a court. So thank you very much. While others from the western suburbs of Sydney with dubious early convict history can be joined together. No slur on my wife. <laughs> Growing up in, a, in a, a country town in South Australia, I was born in 1957, so it wasn't long after the Second World War, and after the Second World War, there were many Europeans uh, that moved to Australia to just start a new life. And so I was going to school with, uh, you know, someone called Mary Suvlaki and uh, all these different names or, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a good Italian name, just, you know, Giuseppe Smith. Because there was all this... <laughs> well, poor old Giuseppe here. <laughs> but... We had Greek and Irish, we had Italian and British, in, Indigenous and Scot, just so many different combinations. And we can even see in our church here this morning, in our greater church between all of us, that there's many cultures have come together. Apparently love has no bounds. Like the Jews and the Gentiles, two cultures come crushing together over a half-hour ceremony probably about the same time it took God to move when Peter started to speak to the centurion and his family. So how can we create strong family units out of two entirely different cultures? Well, we do have a di distinct advantage over the early church. We have the New Testament, which includes the teachings of Christ in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Whether you're just a newly married husband and wife or whether you're already a mum and dad, how can we build a strong family unit? By living our faith in our home, by shining the light of Christ. And we only need one passage of scripture to do this. We, don't, we could live without all the rest. And it's found in Mark 22, verses 36 to, to 40. When a lawyer asked Jesus... 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Perhaps the early church did use these scriptures because they're from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. Can I say to you this morning, husband and wife, if, even if you haven't started a family or those with a family, before you go marching off on your crusades or your favourite doctrine, make sure you are following these two commandments in your home. I hear a lot at the moment about big, big Brother is watching us. Sorry to burst your bubble, but Big Brother's been watching us for an awful long time. And uh, my theory is if you're not doing anything wrong, Big Brother's not interested. I would be more worried about the little ones that are in your home that are watching you 24-7 because they watch you very closely. I'm sure we've all seen those ads about uh, drunkenness and um, uh, what do you, domestic violence where dad comes home from the pub and you know, beats up the wife and the, the, you know, one of the, the boys sitting in the, in the background and, and then the boy, his sister upsets him so he slaps her. Where is he getting it from? He's getting it from his parents. Our children get it from our from us. Of course, we need to have rules in our household. But if you have rules without the love of Christ, it'll be a disaster. If we truly if we live a truly Christian lifestyle, not just our interpretation of one, it won't matter what rules you have or don't have, whether you have family devotions two times a day, pray for half an hour before meals, or whatever you do. If we live our lives in a Christian way, remember they are watching. It's interesting, the Hewitt family and the Cusack family, the way we did our parenting are probably on most either end of the spectrum. But we both have three children and we both have three children that are working in... Uh, um, um, and in churches, uh, involved in churches, and uh, I'm not sure about James and Michelle from my part. I have no idea how that worked, but I thank God that he did something with my kids. <laughs> so it's not really, uh, uh, as far as our, our, our um, theme, it's, it's not about you've got to do this, 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 and this, because if we did this, 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 and this for our family like James and Michelle have done or vice versa, it probably wouldn't have worked. But I think both of it is the two, two sets of families living Christ. Please don't try and be perfect because that won't work because none of us are. I mean, I know James and Michelle are that far off, but I know I'm not. See, that's what the gospel is all about. We're not perfect, but we have a saviour who is.
when I uh, was about 26, I ended up in a little town called Karoi. And I couldn't run far because I had a plaster on my leg from my hip to my ankle. And uh, they weren't perfect. But the way they lived their lives attracted me to God. Until one night my prayer, it was probably the first time I'd prayed for a long time, was, Lord, I want to be like them. Although I was 26, I was a new kid growing up in a new family. If we, are, if we live our Christ-like life before our children, we will create a safe place for them. A place that no matter what the world throws at them during the, night, the day, they know they can come home to a place of safety. And in today's world, boy, don't they need it. Some, a couple of weeks ago, Sandy was showing me or telling me about a, an article on depression in 5 to 18-year-olds. 5 to 18-year-olds. What's a 5-year-old doing with depression? When I was growing up, depression was what the weatherman talked about on the 7 o'clock news. It was something the old people did in the 1930s. The Great Depression. Uh, a group called Spiro did a community health survey in 2019 on what young people valued most. Young people asked how much they valued family relationships, financial security, friendships other than family, getting a job, mental health, physical health and school or study satisfaction. The three most highly valued items were 83.7% family relationships, 81.8% friendships, 71.8% school or study. The next two were mental health and physical health. I would suggest if we've got the first three or at least even more so the first two right, we're not going to have as much trouble as we are at the moment with mental and physical health. Our young people need a safe place. Does living out our faith in our home, creating a safe place for the family, guarantee your children becoming law-abiding adults? Sadly, no. I can testify to that. I grew up in a, uh, a good Presbyterian home. It was a very safe and, and loving environment. We had great family, extended family was uh, all, all good on both sides. And, uh, but uh, I knew better and I took off from home when I was about 16. And uh, I can relate to Mark Twain, the American writer, when he says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Young people, your, pe your parents, they may not look like it, but they know a lot more than you do. And a lot of what they do 
is for your benefit. Yeah, I've only got a couple to look at this morning. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but in my house, the door was always open. It was still a safe place. It was when I found another family that created a safe place for me that my life was turned around. So parents, continue to pray. Last, uh, I think it was Thursday morning, or might have been Friday morning, I uh, was listening to a, uh, a YouTube, there's a guy, uh, Stephen Gurr, he's a Messianic Jew teaching on the Book of Acts, so I try and watch that a few times a week. And uh, you know how on, on YouTube, down the side, there's recommended, you know, sort of things. And uh, I noticed there was one with Arlo Guthrie singing Amazing Grace. And we all know Arlo Guthrie, don't we? Oh, John, you don't know Arlo Guthrie? That's unbelievable. I was, I was counting on you. <laughs> My goodness. Michael. James wouldn't, he led too nice, he, he grew up too nice. Nobody knows Arlo, not, not one person in here knows heard of Arlo Guthrie. Ah, good on you, Peter. The other Peter out there, don't you pretend you haven't heard of, ah, sure. Okay, you'll have to sing along with me, Pete. Arlo Guthrie sang Alice's Restaurant. What a great song. It has about three choruses, goes for about 18 minutes and most of it's talking. The song is called Alice's Restaurant and it's about Alice, the restaurant. But Alice's Restaurant is not the name of the restaurant. That's just the name of the song. That's why I called it, called the song Alice's Restaurant. You can join in if you want. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Doo -doo -doo -doo. You can get, come on Pete, I need help. <laughs> you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant, Satin Alice. There you go. I can't believe you're so uneducated. Ah, oh, there's another one up the back. You can't, ah, oh, I, th I think they're all pretending to be holy. Yeah, but anyway, I love Arlo Guthrie. That song goes for about 18 minutes. So Arlo has a habit of when he sings a song like he did on when I, the one I looked at on Friday morning about uh, Amazing Grace. He didn't really sing it all that well, but he often stops and talks for a while. So on this one I looked at, he, uh, he was saying how his dad has always said that the world is just one big family. And... Uh, He's saying how he could relate to that because his children now have children and they all still live at home. And uh, none of them have any plans of leaving. His family is turning out, and no one will probably know this lot either, the Waltons. How can you be old enough to know the Waltons and you don't know Arlo Guthrie? <laughs> really? That song made Arlo Guthrie famous, apparently not in Gladstone. Anyway... He didn't realise his family was going to turn out like that. The world is one big family, but if you watch the news or listen to the radio, 
you will get all depressed about the state this family is in right now. He was saying that America, in America they have so many languages and cultures from all around the world and for the most part they all get on and they all get along. In parts of the world where they only speak two or three languages, they just can't get along together. So we've got to remember who we are so that when those who can't get along stop for a moment and wonder, is it possible to get along in this world, we can be doing that for them. In a perfect world where you would have to go a big distance out of your way to help somebody, but in a world that sucks so much like this one, it's just so easy to make a difference. There's never been a time in history of the world that you can do, do so little to get so much, to get so much done. Remember our survey, 83.7% of young people valued family relationships. I think it would be safe to say that that 83.7% aren't all living in a safe relationship. Family relationships. Well, look around this morning. We may not have a thousand languages and cultures, but we've certainly got a few. So let's take Arlo Guthrie's advice and make our families safe places so for those who wonder, is it possible, can look and realise, yes it is. Live out your faith in your home. Actually, I better ask the music team if they can if we can round some of them up at all. I did have that in bold letters a long time ago, but I missed it, sorry. Would you stand with me this morning and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be together in this place this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, it's only because of you. Lord, I remember the words that I say at a wedding, that you invented marriage. You, uh, uh, since the beginning, you've bring, brought two people together and ever since, families have been coming together. Different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages. But Father, we thank you that in you, we can make these families work. And Father, this morning we pray for those who may be having difficulty at the moment. To just look towards you. And that you would encourage them through the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. I guess in uh, the greater scheme of things, uh, our little Port City community isn't that big in the world. But I do pray that our families would be a light to those in the Gladstone area. That yes, you can have a, a loving and safe family. And for this, we give you all the praise and honour. In Jesus' name, amen.